You are listening to the Wool Academy podcast. This is episode number 59. Hello and welcome. My name is Elizabeth Van Delden and once a week we talk to an industry expert from the wool industry supply chain from farm to fashion and beyond, delivering strategies and insights to be successful in wool and showcasing those beautiful stories wool has to tell. As I record this episode, I just returned from Port Elizabeth in South Africa, where I attended the IWTO Wool Roundtable. IWTO was so kind to allow me to record some of the speakers of the event. And one of the great speakers was Kobus Osthusen. He runs an organization called Life Exchange, where he helps people achieve their full potential through effective mentoring and change management processes. To prove that change is possible for everyone, Kobos ran a 250-kilometer race in the South African desert twice, each time only having three months' time to prepare. And actually, Kobos hates running and wouldn't really consider him a runner or an athlete and in one of the races he also wanted to prove the wool industry wrong about the claims we are making about wool so he ran the 250k through the desert in a wool t-shirt testing if wool was actually keeping you cool or protecting you from uv radiation or being odor resistant Kobus has a wonderful way of telling his story and I'm sure you will enjoy this live recording from the Adaptio Wuron table that was held on the 7th and 8th of December 2017 in Port Elizabeth in South Africa. Kobus also showed a few videos in the beginning of his presentation and I did cut them out so just to make it easier for you to follow. But you might notice that the transitions aren't as smooth. Now, without further ado, find out if Kobus actually succeeded to prove the wool industry wrong and listen to his wonderful story. Yeah, thank you. It's great being here. Um, maybe just a disclaimer before I start. Uh, this is the first time ever I heard about sheep and pain relief. So, so clearly I don't know anything about sheep and wool, all right? So that's my first disclaimer. Also, I'm going to mention something about running, but I'm not an athlete. Um, and so, with that disclaimer in place, Klaus, no questions. <laughs> okay. So, what I am, I'm a researcher and I'm a scientist, and, um, and therefore integrity of content and information is very important to me. I want to make sure that when I work with information, it's accurate and I can use it and I can give real answers to people. Um, and so I always say that should I win 10 billion rand, let's just stick with 10 billion, I would want to start my own show. Um, it will be something like, I don't know if you know um, Mythbusters. Let me just see if I can move this. Yeah, Mythbusters. But this will be like advertisement busters. Because it feels like people are making claims out there that is just so ridiculous. Um, and I would love to put a show on the road where, where I take that advert and I just copy it as is and then show the result. And I mean, if they were truthful, we will see the truth. And if they weren't, we won't. We will expose them. So that's really a big dream and passion of mine to do. And so I started looking at a few ads. And because I knew there were some Australians here, I thought maybe I could even take some of your ads and just see if they are truthful. Now, this is an Australian ad. 
I don't know from when. My first issue is that gun that they are shooting with. Um, shooting a pie at a high pressure, I don't know. But this is a typical, typical ad that we see all over the world. Now, they claim in Australia, after a few minutes, that guy shirt's going to come out like that. Now, maybe it's just the South African water, but in South Africa, we don't get stains out like that with the same product. This bothered me since I was a child. This bothered me since I was a child. Because the payoff line on this one is big rights first time, every time. And as a child, my big pens never wrote first time. You had to rub it and, you know, to get warm it up. And I, as a child, I always thought that it was that clown that messed it up, you know? <laughs> and then this, this is a, a Mr. Muscle. I don't know from where in the world, but this is a Mr. Muscle. I don't, that, I mean, that poor woman, I, it's just, I really feel bad for her. <laughs> but that mock is fantastic. <laughs> And I don't know what muscle it helps, but it even helps to marriage, it seems like. I mean, they look very, very happy. So, um, about 2007-2008, after doing a lot of research in neurology and how minds work, um, I was quite confident that we can help people with change. I mean, 1st of January is around the corner, and all of us will sign up and say, now, 2018, this is the year for us. Um, and then by February, March, we kind of like, what did we say again? And why was it so difficult to bring about change? And so we just start looking at how does change work? How do our minds, what happens within our thinking process? And why is it so difficult to see change? Um, and then we wanted to do a few experiments. Now, what I decided to do is to find a target audience that should we mess up with the experiment, they won't be missed. So we decided to work with gangsters in Cape Town. All right. Um, we literally walked into a township area, uh, went to the police and asked for the name of a few gangsters that's on the list to be arrested, but for some reason they can't nail them. Um, <clears throat> and so we started with three guys and really started saying, look, we are onto something. If we can help a person a criminal that enjoys being a criminal, sorry, <clears throat> that doesn't want to change and really see big movement and shifts in their lives, then surely we are onto something. And so then we started our own advertising campaign and this was one of the campaigns that was on TV. <clears throat> and so we launched this, this ad and what you don't see on this ad is it wasn't difficult to wash off the tattoos because we painted that on. It was more difficult to cover the actual tattoos that this guy had on him, all right? So it was more painting him than washing off. That was the big problem. Um, but we launched this ad and then people said, is this really true? Is this really true? Because surely if this is true, that we can influence people in a way that there's true change, then uh, then surely that must be the answer. Why do we still battle with drugs and gangs and so on? And so it was a real challenge. The integrity of what we're doing with, was challenged. And so one day I was teaching in a kind of a, a setup like this, and um, someone in the audience said, <coughs> "Sorry, someone in the audience said, can we challenge you? Can we throw out a challenge?" And I said, "Yes." And they said, "Look, you are coming here telling us that we're all underperforming our pot potential. We're all underliving our potential. You are telling us that if you just understand how your mind functions, that you can perform on much higher levels. 
And I said, absolutely yes. And they said, they'd show it to us. And I said, what's the challenge? They asked me, what do you enjoy? I said, well, I live in Cape Towns. I surf, I kayak, I scuba dive. I love the ocean. I love the coolness of the weather in Cape Town. I said, that, that's me. They said, why do you not enjoy? I say, anything to do with suffering, like running. You don't, like, why would you want to just run? And it is boring. This, you're getting warm. And they said, okay, well, then this is the challenge. We want to find something where you're going to run in very hot conditions. And I said, okay, that's fine. So they said, all right, we want to sign you up for a 250 kilometer run. It is a desert race. So you run in the desert. Um, it is a self-sufficient race. So you're not allowed to get any support from other people. Uh, you just need to run and make it and hopefully not die in the process. And they said, oh, and by the way, you've got three months to prepare for this. Now, at that stage, I've never ran a race in my entire life. I mean, I didn't know what a half marathon was even. Uh, or, uh, or I remember the first day with registration. So the, the guys walk around, it's an international race. And so some of the guys will say, okay, so uh, my last comrades marathon, you know, I did it in like, what's yours? I'm like, um, <laughs> I, no, I've, I've never ran the comrades. And I said, okay, all right. But what about the two oceans ultra marathon? I'm like, nope. They're like, okay, <laughs> what's your marathon time? I'm like, never done a marathon before. <laughs> and they're like, you do realize that you're going to run an ultra marathon every day for six days in the worst conditions ever. I'm like, yeah, but ignorance is bliss, I guess. I don't know. But I didn't know how to prepare myself mentally for it. Um, the longest, the first, furthest I've ran, just to see how my kids sit on me, was 13 kilometers before the race. And then my knee got sore, so I was like, ah, okay, I need to stop with my intensive exercise. Um, but I, I wanted to put my money where my mouth was. Integrity is so important to me. And I will not teach people stuff if I'm not willing to put my life on it. Um, so I just made a quick uh, clip of my first race. Um, uh, compliments of Supersport, I just cut and paste a little bit. Um, so let's quickly have a look. Just to give you an idea of what this race entails. Alright, so it wasn't easy. Let me just say that it was one of the toughest things that I have done in my life. Um, I passed out twice in that race and I remember waking up going like, where am I? Um, it, it's, a, it's a crazy, crazy race. But I came back and I proved what I wanted to prove. Um, and my belief is that every single one of you can run that race. No problems. We are underliving our potential. We are underliving our capability. If you just understand a little bit of what you are capable of, you will just, it, it will just blow your mind. So we came back um, and uh, people said, okay, Quivers, uh, if you guys can do this with gangsters, why can you come and do in our company with our managers and our staff and our other people because often they act like gangsters. <laughs> and so can you come and do something for the corporate world, um, you know, since you are focusing so much on the social side. And, uh, and we said, yeah, sure, um, and quickly made a few sums and we said, well, CEOs and gangsters think very similar anyway, so, you know, <laughs> sorry, I can't buy CEOs. Um, and, um, and, and so we, we literally uh, just said, yes, let's do it. But it was so interesting going into the corporate sector with all our information um, because the business world is doing things counterintuitive. It's the weirdest thing that I've ever seen in my life. I mean... 
most of you that will, that's got a car and a house and maybe even a farm or I don't know what you have works with budgets and assets of at least a minimum of a million rand and more all right in your daily life that's what you do you you just manage it every day and it's going pretty well because you're still alive you're still sitting here but the day when you walk into a company you need to write out the purchase order slip and get permission to buy toilet paper it is just crazy how we so how our businesses and real life is just so different in the way we are doing things um, and what we find in, in, in real life in how you manage your life is we we learn and adapt I just mentioned toilet paper so let me just stick with toilet paper I mean if you buy toilet paper and it doesn't work for you then you learn and you adapt you find something else all right you buy another brand but companies doesn't work that way they, they work on um, predict and control predict and control we want to predict the future and then I'm going to control the process to get there and so it was so weird that the concepts that we actually applied in everyday life didn't pay off as much within the corporate sector and so we went back to the books and we rethought the whole thing and say how can we help people within companies and systems to to do better and how can we help people within companies to really get the best out of their people and so another company was actually uh, launched only this year called Life Change Solutions. And so we said this baby is just going to focus on the corporate sector where Life Exchange, the non-for-profit one, will continue to work in you know, communities and with individuals and with people. Now, very, just as we were busy preparing to, to launch this, I started making big claims again. And this was my claim. That you can, I'll go into any company that exists. You can give me that person. You all know that person where you go like, there's no hope for that person. I mean, you know, then like you want to get rid of them, but then you can't because it's labor law and stuff. You're that person. You can give us anyone. And what we will do is we will show you how to get the best out of that person. 12-month process, we've got, we've got, we designed something called the Neuro uh, Management and Mentoring Process and we will teach you how to do that. And we guarantee it in such, a, in such a way that we do a baseline assessment before you start with this person and a baseline assessment afterwards so that you can see for yourself how this person has grown in all the areas. Uh, and you doing it, not, not us. We just show you how to do it. And so we made these big, big claims and sure enough, someone said, Kurbis, but show it to us. You want to sell a product here, but is there any integrity in it? So I said, all right. They said, take a person and make them do the unbelievable thing. And so I was like, oh my goodness, here we go again. Um, but let me do the desert run again. And let me find a person that most likely will never do this. So I phoned the organizers and I said, hey guys, um, I want to do this race again. But this time, I want to do it with someone that has never done it before and most likely won't do it. Can you give me a cultural group within the South African context that's never done this race? And sure enough, they said, a close-up person. There's no close-up person that has ever entered this race, ran it before. So I said, okay, that's cool, because we've got a lot of close-up people in South Africa. I just need to go and find a close-up person that will do this. So I went and I found this guy, all right? Now, when I told him about what I wanted him to do for me, that was pretty much his response, all right? <laughs> he said, he told me, he said, my ancestors won't go into the desert. We don't do stuff like this. 
And I said, it's okay, because I'll be there with you. And I took Mr. Lumko Velapi, and um, I said, don't worry too much, but we've got three months, that's it. <laughs> now, let me just tell you something. Uh, Lumko is a smoker, as he stands there, a big smoker. Uh, he's never ran a race. He's actually a very big build, so he's not a, not a massive, he's not an athlete build. Um, he is very, he comes from the Eastern Cape, and he is very connected to his roots, uh, very traditional in his ways. Um, but he said yes, he signed up. And so our journey started. But I told myself something else. I said, since I am going to put me through this hell again, and since my big dream is to bust adverts of people's claims, let me take on some ridiculous claims that people make. And I decided, why not taking on the wool industry? Because you guys make some crazy claims about your product. Um, and I said, so maybe let's just look at that and test it and see if, it, if, it's, if there's any integrity in it. So uh, I looked at all these claims. Um, gentle next to your skin. Can I just say how important this is? Um, you are carrying 12 to 15 Ks on your back, which is bouncing the whole time. So on your collarbones and on your, over your shoulders, it rubs through because you run between 5 hours and 14 hours a day with something bouncing on your shoulders the whole time. Um, if that's not true, you will have big problems. Now normally on day 3, you will see runners, when they take their shirts off, they put plasters, this is like they put these rolls of plasters on their shoulders because it actually goes through your, your skin into your flesh. Um, so that ne needed to be very true. Um, elastic for the same purpose, yeah, ideal to wear when exercising. Yeah, big claim! This is ideal. So I said, let's test this ideal you know, to wear when exercising. Breathable, very important when you run in those conditions. Uh, this one. I love this, this one. I mean, cool when the weather's hot. We will test if this is true. By the way, we had ambient temperatures of 52 degrees Celsius um, this last run. So I said, let's test. Um, no, uh, uh, great. Uh, it doesn't create static electricity. Um, that was one thing that I also wanted to see because it's very dry conditions. Um, oh, my odor resistant skip for some reason. Oh, sorry, that was, mm, I never fixed it on yours. I fixed it on mine. Um, so, odor resistant, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, so we, we're gonna run, there's no bath. You sleep on in, on in the bush, but there's no bush. You sleep on the sand. Um, I mean, one shirt, that's all you've got. So, I, I wanted to test that odor resistant. Stain resistant is something I really wanted to see. Uh, you know, it attracts less dust, but I mean, all you do there is you are in the dust, so that's something I wanted to see. And then also, just this big claims of being UV um, resistant or radiation that it reflects back. So, that was kind of my own advert buster, and I really wanted to come back <laughs> saying, like, big claims, guys, big claims. Um, that's why the wool prices are good, but now, you know, let's, uh, let's look at this. So, Luca and myself, we got those two shirts um, from Core uh, Core Marino, BKB uh, here in the in, in PE sponsored it to us. Um, that's unfortunately the only wool we had on. Um, we missed out on wool shoes by a few days. Uh, Delena contacted us and said, "Look, we've got some. I think it was Adidas. I think Adidas wool shoes for you to run in, and we can kind of." 
you know, get it to the race. But at that stage, I was like, you know, this is crazy enough. And now I don't even know if the shoes will fit or, if, you know. So we said, let, let us just run with the shirts. Can I just say something? That this was the first time that I had the shirt on. I was too afraid in, in practicing in it. Because I was afraid that, you know, if I, if I had to go for my 5K run to practice for this 250 and it is itchy or something, then I won't wear it in the race. And so I told myself, I'm not going to put on my shirt until that day. So that's the first time I had that shirt on. Um, so the race started and within the very first day, and, and I'm very serious about this, we could already start looking at some of the claims that you were making. So Luca and myself, we would exchange notes at the, at the end of the evening, end of the day, um, and definitely the softness to the skin, the elasticity of it, and the, the, the fact that it's breathable, we could really at the end of day one say a big thumbs up on all three of those. It was the weirdest thing that um, because the wool is slightly thicker, People kind of laughed at us in the beginning because they're like, you want to go as light as possible, and now you've got a slightly thicker um, you know, material. Um, but because there were no seams in it, and because it was slightly thicker, backpacks running around, bouncing on our shoulders, didn't do anything to neither myself or Lumco at all. At the end of the race, we did not have a plaster on our backs or on our shoulders. And I, we want to contribute it to the, those three things. Now, um, not the prettiest picture, but I took this picture just to show you that I, I, I was just tearing open a, a powder that you had to mix with water just to drink. And so you need to know for seven days or six days of running, you only, we only had one shirt on. All right? that was the, you, if you wanted the shirt, that was the shirt. You sleep in it, you run in it, you, and that's also your cloth. All right, so uh, you wipe your hands on it. If you bleed, you stop the bleeding with it. That, it is, that is, this is it. That was the piece of material we used. Now, it's such a pity. I only got home late last night and I had to get up very early this morning. And in this process, I left my actual shirt that I ran with at home. And I so wanted to bring, to show it to you. But I can very easily tell you if you want to see the shirt just go to the poor merino shop and take one off the shelf because after the six days after all the stuff that we've put those uh, shirts through once in the washing machine and it literally literally came out stainless um, and and that I, I don't make that up um, so we really said okay we're gonna take the stainless box definitely um, it was just fascinating now it's very difficult to tell you if it kept us cool, all right? <laughs> because <laughs> ice doesn't, it, it just can't keep you cool in 50 to, uh, 32 degrees Celsius. But what I can tell you is, is the following, which was very uh, mind-blowing to us. On day one, so a heat wave struck the area. It was the warmest in, I don't know, now many years, 50 years or something crazy um, that has ever been in that area. Um, and so on day one, um, by checkpoint two, so you've got a checkpoint every 10K is about, and before checkpoint two, we start seeing people, it, was, it, it looked like a war zone where you would run, and there's someone under a thorn tree, and there's drips hanging out of this thorn tree, and there's IVs and stuff, because people just, their bodies just couldn't handle it at all. Um, and so the lady that you see on Limco's right-hand side, she actually didn't finish, there were quite a few people dropped out on that day, but she didn't finish, and they actually couldn't find her. She just went missing. 
And then when they tracked her down, um, she was in a, in a coma. She lost all consciousness. They flew up to Uppington. They airlifted her out to Uppington. <coughs> Uppington said, you know, they actually can't help. And then they airlifted her to uh, Universitas Hospital in Bloemfontein, where she stays for three weeks in a coma. Um, it, was, it, it, was, it was hectic, so much so that they got a team of doctors in that evening and they made a new rule. And the rule was that if a doctor spots you along the way and they just think that you don't look so lacquered. Now, for our foreign people, lacquer means lacquer. <laughs> so if, you just, if it just seems like you're not looking that well, they're going to pull you from the race. And so all that I can say is, yes, we were super hot. But there were people in very thin little shirts that dropped out of this race. And somehow with a wool shirt, which everyone says, why did you chose those dark colors? It was so dark. Well, the only three options was that color, navy blue or black. So <laughs> <laughs> that was the lightest color, by the way. Um, and, and, and so, uh, and with all that heat, we literally um, ran with these shirts without overheating. Um, so we said a big yes for warm and cool. Um, shuffling, you're shuffling the whole day in very dry air, so we really thought that we're going to have a lot of static. No static. Uh, that was incredible. There was just this, this it was just, I, I didn't expect this at all. I thought this is going to be your first big fail um, on those days. And then the other thing that's very difficult, I mean, from a scientist's point of view, this was just about feeling, um, but, uh, you know, I said, I want to take this natural barrier to do UV as well. And so everyone says, come on, Curvis, you can't do that. Like, how would you know? And you know what? And this is, some people say, it's just my imagination. Well, then I'm just sharing with you my imagination. But the first time I ran this race, I had a bamboo shirt on, and they made it a lot of, uh, what's the word, perforated, mm -hmm. uh, like a lot of little tiny holes to, to keep you cool. And Quirbus is not white. My color is not white. I'm see-through. If you keep me in front of the sun, you can see my lungs and my heart. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is me, all right? And so I remember in my first, first run, after six days in that sun, when I took off my shirt, it actually did seem as if I was kind of reddish, you know? And, and so with the wool, I remained see-through. Um, so I, I do want to believe that, that there is some real claim when it comes to the, the UV side of things. So, I finished my second race. I was, it was one of, definitely one of the toughest ones that I've ever done. Uh, Lumco was the first Corsa men to ever enter this race and finish it, uh, proving my point that we can come and work with anyone and take them to the next level. Um, I, I fully believe that. And your product, we gave it 10 out of 10. We just thought it was the most amazing product to experience and to run with. Um, Quibus, what about the uh, odor resistant? Well, to hug someone like this after six days without taking a bath, it's odor resistant. Okay, so we had to give it a big tick there. You know what? I went out to prove you wrong. It was my mission to see what you claim holds any integrity. And I can stand before you today and say that you are in a significant, amazing business. Way more significant 
what you maybe realize. Can, can I maybe just quickly ask, uh, what's the difference between success and significance? Do you know? Success? Achievement? Yeah, significance? Um, how many of you recall, uh, it was 2007, Miss South Africa, 2007. Come on, South Africans. What? 2007, Miss South Africa. Okay, I also don't know who it was, but, <laughs> but this is what I want you to know. Whoever that person was, I mean, she, uh, uh, she went to one or other farmer Buddha thing and then she got chosen to be the, the lady of the day because someone spotted the talents or I don't know what. And then she entered this competition, Miss South Africa. And then in this competition, the public voted and they voted her in that she's one of the finalists. And then she went to Sun City and there she walked out and, and oh, it was a red carpet, it was beautiful. And then she got onto the stage and she had to answer world peace. Um, when they ask her what she wants, um, and she had to do all the stuff. She had to wear this red swimming suit thing and walk on high, very high heels downstairs and stuff. I mean, and then she was chosen to be Miss South Africa 2007, and she had to go and represent South Africa in the World Miss World contest. Very, very successful. But we don't even know who it was. <laughs> we can't even recall her name. Can you remember a teacher at school that meant a lot to you? Significance. Significance. And what I want to tell you is that what you are busy with currently, I hope there's a lot of success in it, but I want to tell you that the significance is overweight. Because when there's one product that shows integrity and one industry that shows integrity, when we talk about declarations being written to ensure integrity, then it's you guys. So I want to applaud you for doing a fantastic work. Thank you. I need to say, I want to thank uh, Cape Wolves. They made it possible for us. We've only spoken of, over the phone um, while I was putting in fuel and all this craziness. So it's actually nice to see you in person. Um, for Cape Wolves, uh, the NWGA, and this is the weirdest organization. I've been involved with them for the last 10 years, and I don't know anything about wool or sheep or anything, but I just love them. Um, I, I didn't wear slippers that I bought from them. Or, you know. um, and then also Paul Marino for sponsoring those shirts. They are fantastic, so maybe give them a massive applause as well. There's no questions. <laughs> Hopefully you enjoyed this presentation and this inspiring story of Kobus from Life Exchange. If you want to find out more about Kobus and his company, go to the show notes at elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 059. Once again, elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 059. Christmas is just around the corner and I wanted to take the opportunity to wish you a wonderful holiday season with your family and friends. I will also take a short break. In the meantime, I will repost 
two of my interviews from earlier this year. I thought it would be nice to continue with the amazing stories from South Africa. Therefore, you have the opportunity to listen to Jeff Kingwell, a wool grower farming in the semi-desert in the Karoo in South Africa, as well as my interview with Louis de Baer from Cape Woods, which is the South African Wool Industry Association. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate you. It has been a wonderful year full of interesting stories from the wool industry and there are many more wonderful guests lined up for the new year. Talk to you again in 2018. All the best for you and bye for now.